Hello and welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian go to the prom of the 80s movies we love, think we love, or might have missed with these our grown-up eyes to see how they hold up. And today's selection is Pretty in Pink, a movie from 1986. I love this woman. I love this woman, and I have to tell her. And if she laughs, she laughs. It makes it easier, easier to bear. Feel any better if I asked you to the prom? His name's Blaine. He's so beautiful. Blaine? Oh, that's a major appliance. That's not a name. You won't regret it, no, no. Does he have strong lips? Strong lips. It's too weird for me, you know. Maybe this shouldn't happen. You know, maybe it doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't mean it isn't right, right? This is not the time to get serious over some nimrod. He's going to use you and then throw you away. You're ashamed to be seen with no, me. I am You're not. ashamed to go out with me. Like him, he likes you. Uh, what his friends think shouldn't make any difference. I just want to let them know that they didn't break me. Just don't write love songs like they used to. It's I, I, oh. What a weird trailer. Okay, so uh, I am Chrissy Lenz, a comedian and director of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona. And I'm uh, Nathan Blackwell, the token filmmaker who points out um, weird filmmaking things that only I enjoy. But that's okay. I'm comfortable. Go oh, good. I'm glad. Because <laughs> that's that's what we need you for, is to point out all the things mm-hmm. that we miss. Um, yeah. I thought there were some filmmakery choices in this movie. Well, it, it's interesting because I had totally forgotten that this, first of all, this is the first time I've seen Pretty in Pink. Oh, is that right? It's oh, true. that. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me, but it does surprise I can't, me. I can't say that it's in my Venn diagram, like the John Hughes ones that I really enjoyed also sure. tend to have some weird aspect to it, like, you know, um I don't know, like magical realism. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, it, it's geez, I just forgot what I was gonna say. Yeah, I I feel like <laughs> Um, filmmakery. There were filmmakery choices. It was interesting because I had forgotten that John Hughes hadn't directed this. Mm. Um, so it was interesting to be so familiar with John Hughes as a writer-director, but then to see someone else take his script and to to interpret it was interesting, mm-hmm. you know? I, I did find it interesting because it is it does have a different it has a, a real similarity to 16 candles mm-hmm. um, but it, it has a very different um, vibe it has a different pace yeah yeah and that's a that's a that's a negative not a positive <laughs> hmm. Well, I I think we're going to find a lot of fun areas to disagree because this movie was very important to me in my teenage years. Um, Not just from the point of view of like 
wanting to be like Molly Ringwald and dress like Molly Ringwald and work at a record store like Molly Ringwald. It was also from the point of view of like, I really see this whole movie from Ducky's point of view. Mm-hmm. Like I see myself as the Ducky wanting to be the Molly Ringwald, just mm-hmm. to like a goofy uh, misfit who just l- l- falls in love and can't let go. And, and the, the falling in love and the longing becomes your whole personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a lot of the side characters, like her, uh, the gal who runs the record store that's played by Annie Potts. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll, I'm ducky now. I want to be <laughs> Molly Ringwald someday. And then when I grow up, I'll be Annie Potts. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this was this was a big one for me because of those characters, but not necessarily because of the plot or the content of the movie. Right. If that makes sense. Or the storytelling or the pace. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I get that. I I yeah. they were also my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. So we start with uh, her getting ready for school and it's just like a music video almost of like her being quirky and odd. Mm-hmm. Thrift story. Mm-hmm. And and that sort of thing that would become very cool in the 90s shortly after this, which is like grandma chic. <laughs> layer after layer, mm. vest after vest, uh, florals and plaids. And uh, tights on tights on tights. Mm-hmm. I am super into it, but she clearly lives, uh, you know, on on literally the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, they literally have a shot of her neighborhood, and they cross some tracks, and then there's a much posher neighborhood right yeah. on the other side. <laughs> I feel like so John Hughes. Ev- you know, it's like. Everything, whether whether it was intentional or not, all the kids were pretty upscale suburban kids, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I have to assume that that was John Hughes's background. And so this is the first time of him kind of going out of his comfort zone <laughs> and depicting like poorness, like yeah. poor people in Chicago. And so I, I feel like sometimes... You know, it's displayed so quirky because that's the only way he thinks it can be interesting. You know, like it it never feels like it's a really insightful view of poor people or low income people. You know, doesn't necessarily seem like truthful. But it's more of a skewer at the uh, the Richies, which like. Richies, that's what we're gonna call them. Mm. Yeah, they Better. they they are portrayed comically evil in this, or, yeah. or lame, you know. But they are just as just as evil, I would say, as that Jake. When we get to the big party scene where Blaine brings her to the party, they're just as evil as the kids it, at Jake Ryan's party in Sixteen Candles. You know, they're trashing the house, they're drunk, they're, um, you know, trading each other, uh, back and forth. It's all about like sex and drugs and pizza. Mm-hmm. I I feel like one thing that. John Hughes was able to thread the needle so well on is that any time that he depicted kind of like extreme behavior, there was a touch of comic 
lightness to it, you know, yeah. of comedy to it, to where it was almost saying, we get this is a bit big, it, you're meant to laugh, you know, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we're in this, it's taken very straight. And it just feels like it, you know, like, like a um, matter of fact portrayal. And then you kind of like, it's like when you, when you watch a movie, you, you, there is that buy-in, you know, that mm-hmm. suspension of disbelief, but it's not something that is all or nothing. Your, your, your system is constantly like accepting or rejecting, you know, <laughs> portrayals, you know, as things right. come in like an immune system. And, and I feel like these, these exaggerated, you know, like mustache twisting, although they haven't been able to grow like facial hair teenagers right. yet, uh, is I felt rejecting it rather than like in a John Hughes directed film. There's almost that wink that allows me to accept it. Hmm. I think that that's a, a super interesting take. I felt like looking at this with my grown up eyes that they were alluding to blank, 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 but not actually showing it. So the Harry Dean Stanton character, mm. who is her father, who like can't get up in the morning, can't hold down a job, like is almost always in pajamas And it's just like this, you know, shiftless layabout that she takes care of, uh, you know, down to like making him breakfast and getting him his coffee and and get up, dad, you've got an appointment today at the job clinic or whatever is it's like, is he an alcoholic? If he was an alcoholic, I think that makes this a different, better mood. They're just hinting that he is. Mm -hmm. And we never see him hold it's a like, drink like and the, we never know right. why it's, it's the PG he is version so of up. it like the studio said yeah. we cannot have alcohol in this movie or we get bumped up to this rating or whatever so it's just like mm-hmm. implied but never said you know like, right. like a studio note it's been removed yeah and it's like so she's from the wrong side of the tracks and she's very poor because apparently she and her dad just live off her part-time record store income and he's just sad. He's not impaired. He's just too depressed, I guess. But I wanted there to be something else to him. Because mm-hmm. he plays, you know, as Harry Dean Stanton, he plays it very earnest. And he is very, you know, a lovable fuck up, I guess. But I just wanted him to have a teensy bit more edge. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot a of moment. mirth. He had plenty he of did. mirth. But not enough to get a fucking job. Right. <laughs> um, and there's a moment later where, like, throughout this whole watch of this movie, I was like, is Ducky homeless? Is Ducky homeless? Does he live on the street? We see him from time to time, like, in the rain, sitting on top of newspaper dispensers. Um, but when we do see his room, it's, like, the saddest room ever. And so, like, I think they're hinting at he has this terrible home life. Right. But we never see it. Yeah, I felt like I wanted more there, like almost, you know, um, when we saw his room, it felt like, again, like an exaggeration of what a rich person thinks a poor person Mm -hmm. life looks like, you know. They must not have a bed frame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I yeah, I would have liked to see more like, you know, like he is living with his elderly grandma and it's, it's a pretty beat up place and. 
you know um and so the 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 ducky we see is all generated you know mm-hmm. um which is what they're effectively implying you know anyway that he that he's manifesting um yeah. this personality that wants to this he's he's protecting himself yes by being this outwardly goofy um lovable guy but of all of the moments in this movie what i'm hearing us say is that we want a gritty remake of pretty and pink <laughs> well it, it's it's almost um it's like we're, we're saying like we want a goofy version or you know like john hughes would have had or a slightly more re- realistic version and i feel like it's it it kind of travels this very safe middle ground you know mm-hmm. i would say that it it it, it yeah, but it's tough because I mean John Hughes films feel both um like I you know that that magical realism that a little more silly but at the same time they also feel like emotionally honest. Okay, I hear that, but also like if you look at Pretty in Pink, I think those characters are like cartoon versions of these uh, characters. You know, Molly Ringwald in that movie is just like, I'm 16. And then this one, she's like, oh, my God, I have to have a job. And my dad's a weirdo. And I got this yeah. kid who follows me around. And like, she just has more of a more of a real life, I think. But, um, you know, this is wrong side of the tracks, Molly Ringwald. Uh, but we do get to see her at school. And the rich kids do just treat her like absolute filth. Yeah. They they cannot even be neutral to her, let alone kind. Yeah. They so, treat so her like going, absolute trash. Is she going to some sort of prep school, some special like gifted school? Or or like it's not a, Again, it's not like a normal public school because there everyone there seems rich she seems to be the only poor person and even the principal or whoever she talks to the guidance counselor is like you're really lucky to be here yeah i thought so too but then there is that moment where like where blaine comes outside and all the weird kids are outside (laughs) so (laughs) you know okay so what what would the the weird kid section look like you know oh okay trilby hats we're going to mm. give them all like little weird hats, <laughs> little weird hats or like slightly or mismatched earrings. Mm-hmm. Oh, my and, God, those freaks. Uh, but all of the rich kids, all of the like class, uh, high class kids wear only like white, blue and gray. Mm-hmm. Like they're always in like khaki, white, blue and gray. The inside of the school is all white, blue and gray. And then anytime we see. The poor kids, there's more uh, black, white. It's more like black, white, red, sort of harsher colors. Um, so I thought that was kind of a filmmakery choice, or or would that be more of a set decoratory choice well, or a costume? Ultimately, it's a it's a collaboration, you know. So um, it is it is a filmmakery choice, but it could have been something. Uh, any good production designer or set decorator costume designer is gonna come up with a bunch of ideas like that you know yeah i really uh, i i did like it on this one and i i like thought it was funny <laughs> like every time they'd be like oh here are the bad kids look at how big their hair is <laughs> um but d- the important thing to note is that james spader is in this movie <laughs> and he is going for it in that james spader way mm-hmm. that i love so much his hair is so feathered 
It's so blow dried. And the first time we meet him, he like very quickly reveals like to Andy, which is Molly Ringwald, like, I like you. I want to get together with you. And I don't mean just sex, but I like you. And I've liked you for four years and you've never given me the time of day. And she she treats him like absolute shit. So I really saw the other side of it, too. Like, she's not open minded to any of the rich kids except Blaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she treats them all like shit. They treat her like shit. And James Spader is like being kind of open and like, I, I like you. Yeah. Why don't you like me? And she's like, fuck off, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he then he becomes the villain because yeah. as soon as it's revealed that Andrew McCarthy has feelings for Andy, he he's like got to cut that off at the knees like, oh, she's terrible. She's trash. She's gross. You don't like her. Um, we're not going to be friends anymore if you like her. And it's it's very obviously because he told us mm-hmm. because he likes her. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's very arch. You know, he's yeah. very much like um, the the sinister bad guy in the story. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing that's better about Blaine. So Blaine is like flirting with her via a computer which i i you have to just love the romantic (laughs) 86 computer flirting yes um but other than that he bring he seems to me to bring nothing to the table to make him oh he's different she says he's different Mm -hmm. than the others what how in what way right his best moments are during the initial wooing and then during the very end that they reshot. We 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 can't, right. I feel like we can't go any further without talking about the infamous reshoot of the movie. Excellent. Let's talk about it because I have feelings. Yes. So it's all about prom. This movie is all about prom. Right. They, and the they, end of the movie they, is prom. They set the stakes very early, which is the dad saying, "Oh, that would look great at prom." Like any dad and andy potts Uh the record store owner is like i have a friend who didn't go to prom and she wakes up in the night screaming no father wants his daughter to go to prom because he knows (laughs) that there's going to be hands all over her right fact um this dad does like john hughes as a real especially when it comes mm -hmm. to molly ringwald he's got a real creepy dad thing where he wants these dads (laughs) to be like into their daughter's romantic (laughs) lives (laughs) Uh, ah, John. okay so um what were we talking about uh, oh prom. yeah the reshoot the reshoot so the way that it was originally written is that um uh andrew mccarthy uh the, this is a cinderella story you know um and 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 at the very end molly ringwald was supposed to choose ducky her friend versus mm-hmm. the the dream boy who led her down Right. You know, and the problem is, is that this story sets us up for like a Cinderella kind of story to where it's about finding that dreamy dude working out the way uh, that the divide is actually class, high class versus low class, and that she should eventually, despite their difficulties through class, both find a way to be together. 
Mm-hmm. And and I think the way that the beginning of the movie frames it, I think the way that the casting frames it, that that's ultimately what that's the story that the audience wants. Right. Versus, let's say, the value of of, you know, it, the story itself, I feel it doesn't make a case of saying McCarthy does kind of become a bit of a lame duck in the middle of the movie. He sure does. Yeah. And that's supposed to be what is twisting the audience's expectations so that mm-hmm. eventually she settles with someone who she is, you know, a friend with. You know, it, this is the the original script kind of wants to make the case of of someone getting out of the friend zone, you know? Well, I, I hear that. But I didn't read it that way this time. I thought it was like it's better for her to go to the prom without a date just on her own with her friend there just as a friend. Yes. Yeah. To to show that, like, like she says, I want them to know they didn't break me. That story I wanted to hear because, you know, I saw it from that point of view this time because I didn't think Blaine did anything to warrant any kind of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that And so ultimately it's, the script problems mm-hmm. of a, establishing one premise, the Cinderella mm-hmm. story, and then veering in a different direction. And, and not addressing at all, you know, they talk about how his parents are going to treat her. Right. But we don't see the parents interact with her. Right. And so all the initial framework is... You know, so when when she ended up with Ducky at the end of the original cut of the movie, the audience booed the movie out of the theater. (laughs) And I get it because they were set up to have that other kind of ending. Mm -hmm. You know, they you know, yes, uh, Andrew McCarthy is is a D bag or becomes Mm -hmm. pretty lame. He's I mean, he's just he's just lame. It's not that he's not a mini spader. You know, right. It's that he's just kind of lame. And so but what we're hoping the audience is hoping for is that he snaps out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I get it because Ducky and then this is it's like Ducky is like the best friend. He's like Mm -hmm. the gay best friend who doesn't know he's gay. You know, like Molly Ringwald was zero percent surprise because she thought that ducky was gay right you know and and so what you have and then also he's like you know to kind of like support that he's like loudly it's like loudly declaring just how hetero he is and how he's going to marry her and it's and it's kind of annoying to her Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um they and and then you, you know the way that the Andrew McCarthy Blaine, you know, is introduced. It's very much as kind of the, the dreamy, mysterious, you know, romantic dude. Yeah. Initially. But I just needed there to be a little bit more character development to Blaine. Yes. To let us know in the same way that like, you know, Jake Ryan is nothing. Mm-hmm. except someone she has set her sights on in 16 candles in this it's like she didn't even seem aware of blaine 
uh, it's not like he, she had this like harbored crush on him in the way that she does Jake Ryan and 16 Candles. She doesn't even seem aware of him, but I wanted him to like want to be rebellious or in some way have a, a you know, like if he had really liked it at the at the club because they go to a party at his friend's place and it's a disaster Mm -hmm. then they go to the club where she hangs out and it's a disaster but like if he had really liked it there and really liked you know he likes her but he there wasn't anything that seemed like a little edgy and he at first he's like i don't care what my parents say i don't care what my friends say and then 15 minutes later he's like nope i do i do care what my friends say i do care what my parents say oopsie doopsie my bad mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not worth it to be after all um and then he doesn't redeem himself at the end like the only thing that he did to redeem himself was come to the prom alone yeah. he didn't apologize to her he didn't go to her so to me there was nothing at the beginning for him, nothing in the middle with him, and nothing at the end for him, except for that the movie wanted me to be happy there together. I wanted her to be alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted her to be happy. <laughs> the most alone. satisfying story of all. <laughs> yeah. It, the, where the girl doesn't have to have any of the other two men. Um, but there was, but, and, but I love that. I love that they shot the movie and they're like, this is how it goes. And they're like, oh, everybody hates it. Oh, my God. Everybody hates it. Mistake. Oh, shit. Oh, no. And then they give Ducky a girl at the end. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I wish it would have been like a quirky girl and not just like some. Regular girl. Regular girl. Yeah. Or how about a boy? Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't think we could have pulled that off in 1986. No, no. And, but in, and, and I'm not even sure if Ducky is ready for that yet. You know? No. no. But he he didn't need to be given a girlfriend. Like, he right. could have even been given, like, a best friend or mm-hmm. um or so, somebody else to hang with. I don't know. I get it. It's the simplest way out. Yeah. Of the hole they dug. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, that's. The problem is, is that it, it it starts in one place, it totally shifts and starts going in all these other directions, mm-hmm. and then it kind of then wraps up breakneck to where it started, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, except there was an added element for me watching it this time, and this is, you know... <clears throat> The idea is that we we go to it with our grown up eyes. Yeah. And I had written in for myself for the first time, because I'm I'm a very mm-hmm. uh, innocent young lady, that they did have sex in the hay, at the hunt club, mm-hmm. and then that's when he does break up with her. Ah. Uh. So they had been setting it up this whole time that you know all James Spader wanted was to have sex with her and then he would ditch her. Um, Ducky says to Andy, he's just going to try and get you into bed and then he's going to ditch you. You know that's what they do. And James Spader says to uh, Blaine, just nail her and be done with it. And then I think that is what happened, that they mm. they had sex in the, in the very uncomfortable hay. <laughs> and then he he did ditch her. Because that made way more sense to me this time mm-hmm. than that they were just sort of slowly plodding along. Mm-hmm. And also, like, 
you don't ask someone to prom on your second date. Right. Unless, and also I read it this time that he really was trying to get her into bed and then dump her. Like when they go to the the Richie party, he's like, let's go upstairs. (laughs) Why? What? Why? And she's like, "Um, no, thank you, sir. And he's like, no, we'll just eat pretzels. Let's go upstairs. (laughs) Um. So that was something that I brought into it this time or took away from it this time mm-hmm. that I hadn't ever let myself sort of believe before. Um, and, you know, she's not upset that she like had sex with him and then he dumped her. She's just sad that he eventually did dump her. And and so she she seems like an unsavvy fool. Mm-hmm. I just like this movie, though, in spite <laughs> of all those problems. Yeah, I I. I just found it unsatisfying in in a lot of ways. Like I enjoyed yeah. hanging out with a number of the characters and mm-hmm. I don't um, fault anyone for, you know, um, loving some of the characters, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I just found it unsatisfying in a lot of ways. I do have so many favorite moments, though. I Like, you know, every time Ducky is, like, being so charming and being like, you know, I'm off like a dirty shirt. May I admire you again today? Uh, you know, uh, I, I think he's so cute. And I just identify with him so much. The whole scene where he sings along to try a little tenderness, I think, is cinema gold. And I think that the world agrees with me because they made it the entire trailer to this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, the world. Thank you, the world. And I also really like the part where, um, so Andy and and Andrew McCarthy have been broken up, or they just break up in the hall. Evil James Spader is there overhearing it, (laughs) smoking a cigarette. There's more smoking happening in this high school then you can even believe there the the floors of this high school are just littered with cigarette butts. <laughs> in fact, Andy's like forty five year old uh, lady friend in class is like smoking in gym. <laughs> uh, and but he's overhearing, he's listening, and he and then Ducky overhears the two of them. Uh, being like she's trash forget it you did the right thing Ugh, she's so gross she's a total lameoid don't even worry about it and then ducky confronts steph who is james spader and like they have a very lame very high schooly fight mm-hmm. and then as he's running out of the building ducky rips down the sign that says uh, vote for prom king and queen and I love that scene. I thought it was so like painful to see Ducky like take on this kid who's like huge. <laughs> like James Spader seems like he's 40 in this movie. Mm-hmm. And John Cryer legitimately seems like a 17-year-old kid. Yeah. Even though he probably was very old. I don't know. <laughs> he seems young. James Spader seemed like a full-on adult. Um, for, for him to just be brave enough to attack him and then get his ass kicked mm-hmm. and then run away. Um, I thought that scene was really like kind of beautifully painful. Mm-hmm. 
I thought it was like, and not, you know, my in my gritty reboot, that scene's going to make people cry. <laughs> the gritty, so what else is in the gritty reboot? What What's different? The dad's a drunk, right? The dad's a drunk. Um, they're probably in danger of like losing their home. Mm-hmm. He should just be a sad alcoholic, not an angry one. You know, right? No, I think he's still a good dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the 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 uh, the contrast of a really good dad, but yet having a really big problem. Yeah. Um, I I think that she is a scholarship kid. Mm-hmm. This make the make the school even prepper. You know, mm-hmm. e- even like you know like. Maybe maybe not school uniforms, but something along those lines, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe it is uniforms, and she just makes hers weird. Mm-hmm. And she she really wears hers weirdly. But then we have to answer the question of why is Ducky there? Is he also really smart? Because they make the case in this movie that he is trying to fail out of high school so he doesn't have to leave high school. Right. He should be, like, effortlessly smart on some of these things he's book dumb but inherently smart Mm -hmm. like he is failing he's always struggling he's always late but he's able to snap together this this and that and when he needs to you know yeah or or maybe he is like really really book smart and he just can't get his life together because he's hiding the secret that deep down he's gay and he's going to go on this journey to realize that he is uh, gay and right. he is like obsessed with Andy just as a way of not having to face it. Yeah, his his his, his problem is more emotional, you know, mm-hmm. of of trying to find the person that he loves and to latch onto them and realizing this is the person that he loves, but it's because it's the only person he loves, you know, as a friend. Yeah. And at the end of his movie, he gets a boy. Well, I that might be too it, it he gets a, a another friend who is a boy, and we hint, but not a romantic friend, because I feel like Ducky hasn't yet gone through that journey. He doesn't know yet. Right. But he what he needs is another person to love other than just this one person. Right. Um, I also think in our Gritty Reboot, there's something going on with the rich kids. Like, there's something going on between Steph and Blaine mm-hmm. that adds another layer to their sort of frenemy status. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Like, their parents are involved somehow. I do want in our Gritty Reboot to meet the parents. Yes. She's got to be invited to... Uh, a, for, we've, we've got to play up this class thing. That should be our conflict. Mm-hmm. And so the class pressure from the parents has to be stronger. There's got to be right. some point where the dad shows up at the parents' house to really make things uncomfortable. You know? Yeah. I I like this. I like our gritty gritty reboot. It's not and even Molly that Ringwald gritty. It's can play a, the mom. Yeah, exactly. It's not <laughs> Molly even... Ringwald can play the rich mom. Yeah, that would, that would be fantastic. She's got to be the meanest person in the movie. That would be fun. Um. Yeah, that would be fun. They get invited <laughs> to a country it. club. Yeah. Or hang gliding. Just like the scene in Karate Kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, So I have a feeling you're going to rate this movie pretty low. It's true. On, on a scale of uh, one prom. This, although this movie was proms. very influential to my 46-year-old man life. I'm I, uh, On retrospect, I'm going to have to give it uh a low rating so. okay 
uh, one prom to ten proms right. because proms are so important that if you miss them, you wake up screaming. Mm-hmm. How many proms do you get? You know, I inherently don't give things like really low ratings unless I hate them, and I don't hate this. You know, good. I'm glad that you don't hate it. Yeah, like there, there's usually some something that has to kind of stick in my proverbial craw for me to hate it. You know like young guns um but (laughs) but yeah so i'm I'm gonna give it a five okay maybe i in maybe i enjoyed it more on the four level Mm -hmm. but there but yeah i do like a number of the characters and there is quirky fun and there is good lines it's just in terms of a joy and entertainment value for me it was low yeah i hear you I do hear you. I feel you. seen. Okay. Even good. though you only hear me. <laughs> yeah. I hear you and I see you, Nathan, and I understand how you feel. But I just find Ducky so iconic and Andy and Iona just the characters are what makes this movie a seven for me. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Because that's movie all this, all this movie not. has going for it. It really, truly is. The story of this movie is very dumb. And also, it's I think it's lame that it ends right when they smooch at prom. It's like, mm-hmm. I start there. Start there and give me Pretty in Pink too, And let me know how they handle all of these other problems that are going to come up for them. Because I don't believe they stay together. Mm-hmm. What well, does anyone in high married. school? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if anyone in high school should stay together. No, I I don't even think they stayed together till the next day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's fine. You don't have to find everlasting love. Right. Um, but yeah, I give this movie a seven just on pure Ducky Dale power alone. Okay. He for me is a ten. But because he's in this movie and not another movie, I have mm. to draw it down to a seven. Okay. Seven proms out of ten proms. Um, and would you recommend people watch this movie? Because I do. I recommend people watch this movie so that they can get acquainted mm-hmm. with Ducky. Uh, I would... No, I would not recommend. I, I would say that there's probably more... There, there would be at least three or four more John Hughes movies that I would recommend above this. this oh, would, sure. This would be more, it's like, oh, well, okay, uh, let's see, what's left? Um, Pretty in Pink or 16 Candles? I really just flip a coin. <laughs> flip a coin. Uh, um, well, and so my my take on this, uh, this next little uh, double feature that we're doing is is are they probably problematic, right? Uh, <laughs> um, is this probably problematic teen movie in the same way that Sixteen Candles is is a definitely problematic teen mm. movie? I didn't think this was. No, I don't think it is. No, I don't. It I don't. Should have been. It should have been more problematic, and I'm angry. Yeah, same. Uh, but on the probably problematic scale of Pretty in Pink and then Teen Wolf, uh, mm-hmm. this one is surprisingly not. Is, and I have slow. a feeling that one is going to be. Let's just reframe the whole theme, up. then. You know. Yeah. I think I think because it's not very problematic. Damn it's it! Not. I'm not outraged. What is this? <laughs> Now you're outraged, though. You're outraged that you're not upset. Is that a thing? Please write yeah. in. Please tell us. Um, what 
is your deep cut recommendation for a movie that you did not enjoy? <laughs> so I, it's like, okay, if you felt, uh, so if, if Chrissy's is, well, if you love this movie or parts of it, here's what else you would love. Mine mm-hmm. is, so you didn't like this movie. Here's something <laughs> else you should have watched. Um, I'm okay. gonna, I'm, and this is all based off of just like imagery that's in the movie. It's like, oh, wish, I wish I was watching High Fidelity instead. Oh. So mine is the anti-romance rom-com High Fidelity with John Cusack and Jack Black, which admittedly I've not seen in a while, but I, I still have fond memories of it. I think there are some problematic elements in that one, but I do love See, Jack Black. If you needed more problematic elements and you wanted to be more outraged, then this is great. And that's the perfect recommendation. The un- yes. So more of a, a unconventional rom-com that is also set in a record store. Then yeah. High Fidelity is my recommendation. I, I think that's great. I went a maybe weird way okay. uh, but I've always been struck and it's something that has stayed with me for a long time uh, we established that Andy the character of Molly Ringwald makes her own clothes mm-hmm. and we only get to see her make her clothes once when she takes two prom dresses and Frankensteins them into the ugliest prom dress ever to exist uh-huh. in or outside of the 80s and she takes a really cute dress that Annie Potts gives her and turns it into a hideous potato sack yeah. uh, but I was responding to the idea uh, that she makes her own clothes um, and I recently attended an event that was a social, S-E-W, social, where everybody made their own clothes mm-hmm. and went to the party and showed off the clothes that they made. Um, and I thought it was really fun. And so I wanted to recommend that people make their own clothes, just give it a whirl, try making garments, and then uh, check out the hashtag Arizona Social, uh, Arizona all spelled out S-E-W Social, um, or, you know, obviously if you're not in Arizona, check out around you to see if there is a, a, a sewing event where you can make something and wear it because um, it was really fun and it can be your prom. Great. um so thank you so much for listening um do stick around our member content today is going to be me and nathan uh picking out our double feature of 90s movies we would do Uh... if we were to branch out into the 90s and to get that you have to be a member you have to go to truestory.fm and uh you know join up support our pod and we're going to give you all that juicy, delicious bonus content. Um, and Nathan, where can people support your filmmaking in Davors? Um, the easiest route is Squishy Studios. So if you check out squishystudios.com or Squishy Studios on Facebook and Instagram, 
uh, that'll lead you in the right direction. But uh, the the big project that we've been working on is um, a, it, an indie feature film, um, which is just uh, we can now announce that we got into the Phoenix Film Festival. So at the end, end of March, um, if you're in the Phoenix area, you can see our movie, The Last Movie Ever Made, um, which is a dramatic comedy um, and so, uh, yeah, if you want to check it out or you can check us out on social media, um, we're submitting to film festivals throughout the country. And so there might be a screening that is in your neck of the woods if you live in the woods. Um, that would be so great if all of our uh, listeners who live in the woods come to see you. Wouldn't that be neat? From- would you love to meet listeners? Yes, I would love to meet listeners. Oh, I'm so excited for that. Um, <laughs> you can find me at the Neighborhood Comedy Theater, the actual place in downtown Mesa, Arizona. Or you can find me online at Most Excellent Chrissy or at Most Excellent Pod. Um, and do check out all the other fun stuff on True Story FM. Uh, my other podcast, Gank That Drank, a supernatural drinking game podcast is on there. Uh, you can hear me on a bunch of the other podcasts that are on there, like the Swashbuck ladies debate society and the film board and things like that so uh check all of that out thank you for listening and when you're out there in the world remember do your best to look pretty always wear pink be excellent to each other Uh, okay and party Party on on dudes dudes. (laughs) 